0: This is Launch Sunday, as uh, Jane mentioned. This is uh, the time where we all get to hang out, eat a lot of really good food, and sign up for things like life groups and adult Bible classes. And if you're wondering what's going on this uh, fall, we have this awesome uh, Experiencing Grace uh, magazine that a couple amazing ladies, uh, Betty and Willie and, and Matt, actually worked on. So, Grab one of these on your way out. If you are um, of the inclination that you would rather see this online or via email, we will send this out digitally to you as well, so you don 't have to have a physical copy. But we have a couple out there in the back for, for anybody that wants to grab one. All the information that we're gonna be going to that 's going on this fall is in here, and then we have a calendar on the back. so take a look at that. Um, we are, uh, are going to have a great time. Today, we're going to have a great time this afternoon. We're going to have a great time this fall. So um, as you can tell, I like to have a good time. So it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Um, we are gonna starting a new series called Together uh, this morning, which uh, I am excited about. We try to talk about community every fall as, as the rhythm of fall kind of sets in and school is back in session and everything kind of hopefully settles down a little bit and we all get into a rhythm. So this, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Um, but before we do that, I'd like to open us in prayer. So if you don't mind, let's, uh, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity uh, that we have to, to be here with each other, uh, to rub shoulders with, with people that love you. Uh, Lord, thank you for uh, our, uh, the, the fact that you've invited us to sing worship songs to you, to praise you, to honor you for all the things that you've done. God, thank you for being approachable. And Lord, I ask as we look at your word this morning, that you would show us what you'd have us, what you'd have us understand, that, it would, that your word would sink deep into our hearts, and it would permeate our lives, and our relationships, and our future, Uh, and that we would be yours, and that you would be ours. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for what you've done in our lives, and what you're going to do tomorrow and into the future. In your name, amen. Not sure you're aware of this or not, maybe you are, um, we have a pandemic going on in our country right now, and you might think I'm talking about the debate on um, immigration or, or maybe just any kind of political debate seems like a pandemic, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something that the experts and the professionals in the health industry are very, very concerned about. Um, I mean, in fact, they're so concerned that they've done numerous studies. I'm talking about the loneliness pandemic that's, that's in our country and it's in our culture. And there's been a lot of studies done, so you could look up any of these, but the interesting thing is, is they're starting to do research on what loneliness does to us as people. And loneliness not only impacts our heart and our mind, it actually impacts our body. And they say that loneliness has the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day to your body. That's what it does to you. And loneliness is becoming more and more and more apparent. Two out of five Americans report social relationships are not meaningful. They're not deep. There's no one to go to when things are hard. There's no one to go to when things are going well. Two out of five Americans report that. And one out of five say that they are lonely and socially isolated. If you just did the math in this room there's a significant number of us that are struggling with loneliness. And the experts are worried. They're worried about what it's doing to our culture. They're worried about what it's doing to our children. They're worried about our future. It seems like technology has made it easier to connect. Standing up here, in five minutes, I could text 200 people. Group texts, right? And I could connect. It's so easy to connect. Yet, why is this pandemic ripping through our culture and our nation? Why does it hurt so bad? It's so easy to connect with the technology, yet it's so difficult to have meaningful, deep relationships. That's scary. It's scary for me, and it's scary for this church, and it's scary for our children and our community. But the interesting thing is, is why does it hurt so much? That's a question. Why, why does it hurt so much? You know, I have like this kind of standing uh, a fantasy where it, when things get really busy and I'm dealing with a lot of people, you know, oh, man, wouldn't it be nice to take a vacation just, just like a week by myself on a cabin, on a lake, peaceful lake with a couple of books, you know? Well, I'm here to tell you I've actually tried it. I haven't tried it for a week, but I've tried it, and, and it takes me about four hours to freak out I start talking to the walls. I start imagining friends. I imagine new friends, and I, and I interact with them. And that's just an experiment. That's just four hours by myself. Can you imagine living like that, being isolated? And it's worse when you're isolated around so many people. Maybe that's one of the reasons why technology is so difficult. It's because you see it all around you. You see this connectivity you see this connection. You flip open Facebook and you see people laughing and connection and friends and you know that my favorite is like, you see the bonfire and everybody's hanging out and talking and eating and having a good time. And immediately it makes me go, like, well, when was the last time I got to do that? And and maybe maybe a better question is, when was the last time my friends and I were able to do that? That's what we think. It's brutal and it's painful. And I think the reason why it hurts The reason why it affects us mentally and emotionally and even physically is because we were created in God's image. We were created to be like God. And God is the perfect definition of community. And that's hard to get our minds around, but I'm talking about the Trinity. Throughout Scripture, throughout the Bible, we have story after story of the way God interacts with himself. That sounds strange. But we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, they interact and they trust and they depend and they help each other. And we also have story after story in the, in the Old Testament and the New Testament about what it looks like when people emulate their Creator, when people are actually living the way God intended them to live. And it's powerful. And there's also stories in Scripture about what it looks like when people don't. We don't really even need those very much, because I don't think we have to have a very vivid imagination to imagine what it's like to not be connected to people. That's the pain. When you think about what Christ did when He came and He walked among us, the togetherness that He experienced... The togetherness that he experienced with the disciples and and all his friends. And then what he experienced when he walked to the cross. And he allowed himself to be nailed on the cross. And he didn't just die a, a sinner's death, a thief's death. Many men, before and after him, were beaten, mocked, nailed to a cross, and died. It's actually a pretty common way for execution for the Romans. But the thing that Christ experienced—the horror of being utterly and ultimately alone—to have an understanding and an experience of perfect union with the Father. Second Corinthians, um, Corinthians, two, uh, sorry, Second Corinthians five twenty-one says, "He who knew no sin became sin." It wasn't that he just took our sin and said, "See, it's like I did this sin." He became that sin, our sin. And when you think about that, you start to understand why as he died, he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? You see, the father had to forsake him completely, leave him alone, isolate him completely. Loneliness to a T. That's what he experienced in order for us to have togetherness. And, and not just togetherness with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but togetherness with each other. And I think here on earth we, we experience some form of, of togetherness. It's not complete yet, but it will be when we get to heaven. We kind of like experience a little parts of this. We kind of flirt with it a little bit. But we don't really know it truly until we're together. In heaven. Jesus talks about church in the New Testament. And there's this word church that you see a lot in your New Testament. If you flipped open any passage that's referencing a church, you'll see that word church. It, if you looked it up in the Greek, it, it wouldn't be church, obviously. It wouldn't even be the root form of church. It's actually a word called ecclesia. And Jesus uses this word over and over and over to describe the thing that's going to happen after he departs. Ecclesia, 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 And we look at that and they go, oh, that must be the word for church. And so we understand it as church. It's not the word for church. It's a different word altogether. It's actually a word that means gathered or called out together. It would be the word that you use if you were assembling a, a troop of a, an army or, or a platoon or a... Or a a group of men ready to fight, they would be an ecclesia. They would have one purpose, and they would be called out together. They would be brothers in arms. You even have an ecclesia when we have a sporting event and, and people are coming together on a team to be together and, and to accomplish a goal. They would even use the term ecclesia to, to talk about a marketplace where everybody comes together to buy and sell together. It's not the word church. The word church, to us, might mean something like, well, it might mean 996 Main Street, right? It might mean this building. If we're creative, it might even mean this building and what happens in this building. But that's not exactly, at least completely, what Jesus had in mind. Jesus took Peter aside and he said, I'm going I'm to call you Peter, or rock, the rock, and on this rock, I'm going to build my building, <laughs> That's not what he said. I'm going to build my ecclesia. I'm going to build my group, my team, my squad, my people that come together under one banner, under one purpose. And they're going to accomplish the things that I want them to accomplish. That's different a little bit. And so we have this word church and and we kind of throw in this ecclesia idea and we throw in the building idea and we throw in like this club mentality where like some people are welcome but not everybody is welcome and uh, how does it all work out and it's, it's not really what he had in mind. And the passage this morning is an example, is a story of when people are called out together. The true deep meaning of ecclesia we going to see a picture of it? So we're going to turn there. Just to give you a little background, this is Acts chapter 2. That's not, that's Corinthians. There we go. Acts chapter 2. And if you know anything about Acts chapter 2, this is right after Jesus physically ascended into heaven. The disciples are standing around talking to the risen Lord. They've seen him die. They've seen him rise again. And they're interacting with him. And he, whoo, angels take him up into heaven. And they're standing there kind of shocked, like, like what? what? I thought we were going to keep going. I thought we were going to keep doing our thing. And, and, and now what are we going to do? And what do we do now? So they have this great idea. They go back into the city. They close and lock all the doors because they're scared to death of the Romans and the Jews killing them. They close all the windows. They close all the shades. They start praying <laughs> like you do when you're scared. They start praying. And this amazing thing happens. The Holy Spirit comes in for the first time. These these men and women experience the Holy Spirit, and it says it's like a wind that shakes the the, the house. And there's these flames appear on the top of their heads, and they start prophesying and speaking in tongues. A lot of debate over what those tongues mean, but they, they suddenly become so bold they throw the windows and the doors open, and they rush out into the street and they start preaching. With the power of the Spirit in different languages, and finally Peter, the rock, right? He stands up and he goes, "Hey guys, I got something to say. Everybody, quiet down. Let me let me share with you what I think God wants me to say." And he preaches his first sermon. And at the end of his first sermon, three thousand people accept Christ and become Christians. That's right before. It's right before this section. So what do these 3,000 people do? You've heard people prophesy and speak in tongues and speak in your own language. And and they're talking about this Jewish rabbi named Jesus and he he came and he died somehow for our sins and he rose again and and now we get this togetherness. Togetherness with the Father, God, and and, and togetherness with each other. What What do we do? That's God calling. He's going to tell us. Make sure you answer that call. What do we do? What do we do now? Acts chapter 2. Luke, the disciple, writes in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they, the 3,000 people, this is what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves to, And the apostles' teaching is centered around Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection. And these people are listening to these men talk who knew Jesus. They knew him. They experienced him. They understood him now a lot better because they had the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I'm going to listen to those guys. They knew Jesus so well, they knew what he smelled like. I want to spend some time with him. I want to spend some time with those guys. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. And they devoted themselves to each other. Here you get the togetherness, the true meaning of ecclesia. They're called out together. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Now that's my jam. I can do that. I love people. I love hanging out with you guys. I love talking. I love hearing your stories. They devoted themselves. 3,000 did this. And they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. There's a lot of debate over this little phrase. Most people think that Luke is talking about communion. He's talking about the celebration of Jesus' death and resurrection in the form of the sacrament called communion. We take the elements, we take bread and we take juice and the bread represents Christ's body and and the juice represents Christ's blood And and this is a celebration of what God did and it's like saying yes we all believe this we believe Jesus died and rose again for our sake so that we could have togetherness so that we could have ecclesia now and forever they celebrated by breaking bread together and they devoted themselves to prayer And it doesn't say this, but I imagine the kind of prayers these people are praying are not the kind of keep me safe prayers. These are the prayers of, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to die for you? Change me from the inside out. Take over this world, Lord. Show me how I can fit into your plan. Powerful prayers that change you and give you that courage, that boldness to speak about your Savior. Go on in in verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common, 3,000 of them. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Glad and sincere heart. It was not a good time to be a Jew and it definitely wasn't Good time to be what most Jews considered a weird hybrid, these Christians. But they were glad and they had sincere hearts and they praised God and enjoyed the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Ah, oh, what a beautiful image. What a beautiful picture of ecclesia, of togetherness, of called-outness. Devotion, group devotion, sacrificing for individual needs. That's the easy part, right? When you're that devoted and you're that called out, like you need something? Oh my gosh, this person needs something. Let's, can we do something about this? Yeah, let's raise some money and give this person what they need. They didn't have to worry about food. And they fellowship together in the, in the temple courts and in each other's homes. They estimate that this period of time was between three and five years. So you do the math. They were added to daily for five years, and they started at 3,000. You have a significant size or number of people that are devoting themselves to the the apostles' teaching, devoting themselves to fellowship, devoting themselves to celebrating Christ's death and resurrection, and devoting themselves to prayer. Needless to say, they took the city by storm. The Jews in Israel and Jerusalem didn't know what to do with these people. Their best solution is, I guess we just have to start killing them. Like, we don't know what to do. They're they're taking over. They're growing so fast. They're so passionate. They'll do anything. And then they learned. When you kill a devoted Christian, three more pop up. You can't keep them down. It's like when we kill them, they grow faster. And, And it spreads throughout the known world. The devotion. Uh, These early believers is, is something to be read about in the books, really. Powerful. They're together. They are the ecclesia of Jesus. And they thought it was an honor to die for their beliefs. Powerful things. This story has been used throughout the ages to actually do a lot of damage, I think, in some cases, to do damage, because a lot of people, and I've even thought this and believed this, that, that if you are not experiencing this ecclesia, if you're not experiencing what these people are experiencing, you're doing it wrong. You're doing something wrong. Go back to your doctrine, go back to your theology, make a bunch of adjustments. Maybe, maybe we need padded chairs in our building. Or, or maybe we need like, to, to offer communion every week instead of every month. Or, or, or maybe our worship isn't quite loud enough or, or, or quiet enough or, or whatever. And, and it causes all this struggle and strife. Because we think that this is a picture of what it has to be like. And I've heard this phrase a lot in pastor circles that I'm a part of. Um, people say all the time, well you know, you know Josh, healthy things grow. I don't know what to do with that. Because I was a part of a church for 10 years who, who shrunk. And it was one of the most healthy experiences I've ever had in, the Christian, in my Christian faith. What do you mean healthy things grow? It's true here that God added to their number daily. But there's a lot of ways to grow. So this passage, if we look at it wrong, if we look it at it like a formula, can hurt us. Because all of a sudden it's this standard grace chapel has to live up to. Well, I guess we're not devoted enough. That's the thing, right? Because if we were devoted, it'd look like it did in the first century. No. See, the beauty of the way God moves is that he moves differently every time, it seems. It's different. Each community, each ecclesia, moves and grows and changes and is devoted in new ways and in different ways. Spirit is not this formula. If you get it right, this thing is gonna happen. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. <laughs> Holy Spirit is is not, as C. S. Lewis says, a tame lion. Can't predict it. But I do know this. And this is the, the point this morning, the thing that I want us to walk away with. Togetherness is the outcome of the shared devotion of the gospel. We see togetherness when we all, when we share this devotion around the gospel. The gospel, the good news that Jesus came, he died for us, and he rose again. That's the gospel. And when we share our devotion for it, we have this togetherness this ekklesia, and that's powerful. We can't use this as a, as a standard formula, a prediction of what's going to happen. I don't want to predict it. This is what I want to do. I want to devote ourselves to this and sit back and watch and see what the Spirit does. I can't wait. I can't wait I couldn't wait this morning to see what this worship service was going to be like, and I wasn't disappointed. I can't wait for next week. I can't wait for tomorrow to see how God moves his ecclesia here in Clifton Park. What's he going to do? Togetherness is the outcome of the shared devotion of the gospel. Well, where does that leave us? this morning. So we walk in here. I don't know about you, but I'm getting a little hungry. Can't wait for the potluck action. Let's get this show on the road. What, what do we have to do? I'm, I'm, I'm in for the togetherness. I'm in for the ecclesia. Sign me up. What do I do? Well, before we commit to this, before we commit, there's, there's three questions that I have. I think we really need to take seriously these questions. And then I have a a suggestion at the end. The first question is this. Do you want it? And and you go, man, how could I not want it after what was just described? I mean, think of the power. Think of the the awesomeness of seeing God move. It says they were in awe of what the the, the, the disciple or the apostles did and what what God was doing. It's like, why, why wouldn't you be in awe? Why wouldn't I want this? Well, here's the thing I think a lot of people don't understand about ecclesia is that when you're in, it changes you. It changes you, and it it changes you from the inside out, and and suddenly you don't want the things that you used to want, and you don't act the way you used to act, even even if you've been a Christian your whole life. You get connected to a a moving ecclesia, a church that's going in one direction, and it changes you. So the first question is, is do do you really want it? And don't don't take that lightly. Do you really want togetherness? Do you want ecclesia? And if you say yes to that after you've given that some thought, the next question is this. Are you willing to be devoted? Are you willing to devote yourself to the teaching of the gospel? Are you willing to be devoted to fellowship with fellow brothers and sisters? Are you willing to celebrate Jesus' death and resurrection? Are you willing to dedicate or devote yourself to prayer? That's a tall order, you guys. It's not something that we just, sure, wrap that up on Sunday and then go to work on Monday. Again, this is life-changing stuff. And the interesting thing about devotion is it's not devotion to a set thing, when you devote yourself to the gospel, when you devote yourself to other people who are devoted to the gospel, and you devote yourself to the celebration of Jesus and of prayer, again, your life changes. And if you're comfortable, it's a tall order. It hurts. Things changed. Things aren't what they used to be. It's scary. You can't predict it. I don't know what tomorrow's going to look like. Are you willing to be devoted to these things? The answer is yes to that. And there's one more. (laughs) One more question. Are you willing to do it with us? Maybe one of the most challenging questions yet. Now don't hear me wrong. I'm not asking you, are you willing to be devoted to what Grace Chapel was 10 years ago? Not asking that. I'm not asking you to devote yourself to what Grace Chapel could be five years from now. I'm asking you, are you willing to devote yourself to us right here, right now? With all our baggage, with all our mistakes, with all those idiosyncrasies that just uh, can drive you crazy. You see, being a part of a family, being a part of an ecclesia, you gotta take the good and the bad and you've got to exercise forgiveness and grace with yourself and with those around you, and it's a challenge. And that's why I ask you this morning, are you willing to do it with us? It's something you've got to answer. You've got to answer it. Because there is a lot of really good churches in the area that I can recommend. They're doing it well too. But see, the ecclesia here, God's got a unique plan for He's got a path for us that is different than anybody else's. And if you're looking around going, yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes they're annoying, but, but okay, okay, yeah. Let's do this together. Let's do it here. Let's do it now. Are you willing to take that next step and see what it looks like Monday? See what it looks like on Tuesday and Wednesday and next Sunday and, and a month from now? These are not light questions. And we have to take our time to answer them completely. Because togetherness is the outcome of the shared devotion of the gospel. And just so you know, I'm in this. This is what I want. I I don't want first century picture. I think that's a great story. I think it's an amazing example of the Spirit moving. But I don't want what the Spirit did. I want what the Spirit is going to do. And I can't wait to find out with you what he's going to do in this place. Togetherness is the outcome of the shared devotion of the gospel. And I can't wait to see what tomorrow looks like when I'm devoted to you and when I'm devoted to Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, these are scary Life changing questions. God, ecclesia is not for the faint of heart. In fact, when we look at the first century, people died over this. So, God, I ask that we take these questions seriously, that we think deeply about what ecclesia really means, what togetherness really looks like right here, right now, today. And God, I ask that you would muster in us a passion for each other, a passion that goes well beyond our faults and our idiosyncrasies. It goes into who you are and our love for you. And I ask, Lord, that that we would sign up to be devoted to the teaching of your gospel, to be devoted to the fellowship with these brothers and sisters that are in this room, that we would be devoted to celebrating your life and death and resurrection. and we would be devoted to prayer with you. God, I love you. And I love these people. And I cannot wait to see what tomorrow brings. In your name.